Off the ball. With 10-year-old Amber playing football back in Donegal, believe this moment. No, because she'd probably still be doing the community games. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. The Sunday Papers on Off the Ball. Uh, the Mail on Sunday, there's an interview here which I think caught everybody. It's probably the best interview in the in the pages yeah. uh, this morning by a bit of a distance. Yeah. So it's Dylan Hartley. Uh, so he's, he's pictured there in uh, Dubai and the uh, big headline is I get dizzy spells, drop things, stutter, but I can't spend all my time thinking I've got dementia 36. So it's not uh, ostensibly just an interview about uh, dementia or any potential issues from playing the game. It's about his new life now and he's, he's kind of fascinating on that. So it's Nick Simon who's in Dubai. So Dylan Hartley has now moved to Dubai with his family and they meet for uh, morning coffee in the 37 degree heat. Smart casual ahead of an afternoon of client meetings. We don't at this stage in the piece know what the client meetings are. Uh, Dylan Hartley almost uh, blends in. He is slimmer now with an expensive new hairline. It's a hell of a line just to drop in, isn't it? <laughs> Dylan Hartley reading this going, what? After? Uh, <laughs> only his noticeable uh, limp as he drags his right leg sets him apart from the stylish clientele as they glide between the exotic fruits and the Arabian buffet. And then you've uh, straight talking Hartley. My hip is effed, he says, <laughs> taking a seat, ordering a black Americano. I've got arthritis, so I'm getting a replacement. It's pretty debilitating. I can't walk properly. I don't sleep well. Can't tie my shoelaces. Struggle to play with my kids. Struggle to sit in the toilet. Not that you need to hear about that at breakfast, he starts. So I think right away you know that Hartley's going to be straight talking, mm. entertaining. And he continues on in that vein. Uh, he politely declines the food, says the piece. Uh, these days Hartley only eats between the hours of midday and 6pm. He's uh, opting for a healthier uh, lifestyle. Pub lunches in rural North Hampshire are a thing of the past. So he says, seven weeks since we moved out here, me, my wife, our two kids, uh, we wanted change. We wanted to get out of our comfort zone in Northampton. And so he says, business-wise, I jumped. I thought this was interesting before I was pushed. Mm -hmm. He says, how I was working in the UK was almost like a dirty drug. Do a bit of corporate, bit of media. It was always there. There was enough to keep you going and it was easy, but for me it wasn't a sustainable career choice. I enjoy doing a bit, but it's just a hobby now to stay connected with rugby and earn at the same time. I needed to take on the real world and that led me here working for Access Hire. So he's working for that company. It's like construction and oil and gas. And he also um, does some coaching for them as well. He coaches rugby teams on uh, Tuesday and Thursday. So it's kind of best of both worlds for him. And so he says, uh, talks of retirement been very difficult. He retired, second child, lockdown started, renovating my house, paying builders' bills. My salary just stopped. I had a payout agreed and signed with Northampton, but because of COVID, they said they couldn't pay it. So we settled on 50% of what we'd agreed. I had no income and I was like every other self-employed person at home during the pandemic. And he made, I think, a very self-aware point as well. He refers to his post-rugby uh, life as a dirty drug again. I wanted to get away from that dirty drug, cut ties from rugby in a way, and not get stuck in that downward cycle of being an irrelevant sportsman. Let's be honest, unless you're Martin Johnson or Johnny Wilkinson, you have a couple of years and then your value drops. When Jamie George retires and they need a hooker for TV, <coughs> I'm not the guy they'll be calling. I suspect there's a lot of former uh, players, former rugby players who would read those kind of lines and think, yeah, I mean, I've had similar thoughts myself. Yeah, and I think you know the, the the like. First of all, I've I've played against him and met him lots of times. And this this you know 
to see him this honest is great. Okay, I hadn't had that experience with him before, um, and maybe just because I hadn't spent enough time with him. But I um, just the honesty is great. But also, he's a former England captain, mm. right? Um, so to say this is post or this is what a retirement looks like is even generous, right? Because you know he's had media opportunities in corporates that are you know far above what what most players retiring will have but it's still really challenging I mean that's clear how honest he is and how tough it's been for him Um, and I think it's one of the best pieces I've read or that's explained probably the conversations I'd have with people on a one-on-one you know who've retired it probably just sums it up really really well there's no there's no rubbish in it it's it's just dead straight it's it's as it is Um, and he captures he really captures the piece around, you know, how much media should you do when you finish? Like, it's really interesting, right? How, like, you know, are you actually, you know, how, how long will it actually keep you happy for? Um, is it helping you? Is it actually helping you uh, transition? Is it hurting your transition? Um, it's interesting to read. Uh, I thought it was very, very honest and, and a great point. Because he said he had just enough to keep going, enough mm. corporate work, enough media to mm. sort of keep his hand in. But mm. as he said himself, I'm just waiting for the next uh, high-profile hooker or England captain to retire and then suddenly I'm yesterday's man. And I would think a lot of players who get their initial burst of punditry and then slowly, they either do very well, but there's a sink-or-swim quality and the name recognition and the recency only gets them so yeah. far. And it's interesting as well, because like you say, Owen, he's the former England captain. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And if he's, if he's looking at it in that stark terms and you're thinking, what's it like further down the pyramid? And what I thought of when he was reading it was, um, hasn't Gary Neville spoken in the past about how his shelf life is going to be? Now, not because he thinks it's a shelf life, but because he just thinks recency is another issue as well. I mean, how relevant can he be 10 years after retiring yeah. or 15? He says, there will come a point when I will walk away from it. Now, I haven't heard him say that recently, so maybe he... He still loves it, but there is that point. Mm. Um, you know, the further you get away from the, from the game, I, I think Brian O'Driscoll has spoken about it as well that you have to keep talking to people in the game and, you know, what's happening, you know, what's happening in training, what are the big trends in the game, stuff like that. So, it, you know, it is difficult. And your point, on is very interesting. Does that actually help or hinder you mm. when you finish the game? You know, it's basically, is it cold turkey or is it... Mm. Is, would cold turkey be better for you or, or do you kind of ease yourself out of it? And I suppose that's different for, for everybody really, isn't it? It is. And, and, and the things that jump up and down in front of you like that are attracting you are all going to be stuff you can yeah. do now. So it will be uh, media, TV, it will be rugby, right? It yeah. won't be, you know, Dubai, right? It won't be a access list in Dubai, which he's yeah. obviously had to dig for, he's had to think about it and he's had to try and find his way into something else, which... You know, if he hadn't been England captain, would have probably had to face up that earlier because he wouldn't have survived right mm. with, without the corporates and the TV. Um, but I thought it was a very good article, and, and you know, he, he does get into the the concussion side of yeah. it as well. You know, I would have I would have gladly read the whole article about him after rugby, and preferred to have read part two, Dylan Hartley on concussion next week. Mm. That's how good the first third of it is. I, yeah. It's a brilliant, brilliant read. And the, the second third was brilliant as well. It is, yeah. We'll come to that in a second. And I presume your sense of talking to players one-on-one on is, is that they're acutely aware that there'll be an initial burst of offers when they first retire and then it'll go very, very quiet. Or do they do they almost think, oh, well, maybe this is just what post-life is going to be? <sighs> it's like the, the kind of... the the 
you know, the affirmation or the positivity will come from these opportunities, you know, like it'll be it'll be media driven, it'll be corporate driven. So you won't be told you're great at your new job, right? Because you're not great at your new job. So that's going to take a long time of work and toil like you had to do with the start of the rugby. But the yeah. easy win is the is, is people. So people don't notice it, um, would be what I'd say. I don't think they do. They're aware of it. But I, I'd say, have been out of the game... You know, I used to say, oh, maybe 60, 70 perceived for At this stage, I would say I haven't met a single player who, who, who has retired who hasn't found it challenging. Yeah, of course. And that goes from captains of Ireland, mm-hmm. captains of England in the paper today, to people who had to retire at 21 with, with you know, a sudden injury. You, yes. know. you went straight into the business world, didn't you? I did, yeah, yeah. And was that the plan for quite some time before retirement? Uh, it was on the cards, yeah. And and the last year were, was, was uh, you know, kind of, will I, won't I? Like, I had another year to go almost. Like, there was another year I could have played on. Right. Which meant the le- that the leaving bit was like, you know, I didn't... Instead of thinking, oh, someone's let me go, I, I had a distinct feeling of, have I let somebody down? Right, because I decided in June to not play in September. So, like... That does give you a different feeling when you're finishing because you're, you're, you have a compassionate feeling as opposed to thinking you're you're someone's after doing a job on you. You know what I mean? Um, but then, you know, I think it's been it's been for me. There's a different phases like that. The I probably had a in what I was trying to do. I felt so far, kind of, it's it felt like such a, another mountain to climb. As in how difficult it was going to be. It gave me a similar actual motivation that I had with the rugby right? right you know what I mean um and as I do that longer and longer now like that's interesting how the rest of my life fits into to to a week now right like you can't always be around when winning you know as it was European Cup or you know so it's it's uh I think I'm in another phase now than I hadn't been for the first for the first few years mm. so he goes on to talk about uh, the issue I suppose most rugby players of his age are, are concerned about and uh he says, I mean, it's, it's quite interesting his approach to his health now. So he said, I'm 90% fine when it comes to concussion or potential dementia. He said, I'm 90% fine, but there are a few one percenters that keep me in check. A little bit of dizziness and the odd stutter and dropping things. So he says, part of this journey of moving to Dubai is to get a new lease of life, to get sun on my face, wake up warm so my joints aren't creaking. I want to lose some wrinkles so my daughter stops saying I look so old. Uh, it wasn't right for me and my family to join the group action because he was asked to join the group action. And his, his rationale was, I don't want to be in that um, headspace, no pun intended, of, of negativity, in effect. He said, I don't want to spend your whole day talking and thinking about deteriorating or forgetting your kids' names, etc. How is that going to make you feel? Instead, I sat down with my wife. I said, what can we do to get ahead of what's around the corner? Research says eat well, uh, drink less, train more, enjoy time with kids, get more oxygen to the brain, get your financial house in order so you can sleep well at night, have a daily purpose. I'd rather do that and approach things positively than sit around waiting and worrying. As soon as I put it out of sight and out of mind, the world opened up again. I gave myself a schedule, even if it was getting out of the house one day a week to play golf. I removed the negativity of worrying about dementia and I feel better for it. Those guys that uh, have, have, they have to do their thing, he said. Those guys have got to do their thing. Good on them. And I support them and I support what they're doing from afar, but I need to find my own way. And interestingly, though, he has gone to uh, a clinic out in Dubai and they treat traumatic brain injuries. He has booked himself in for an assessment which included uh, multiple scans and tests and now he's going to have a three-month uh, treatment therapy which will um, get oxygen to the brain so he's going to spend hours in a pressurised chamber to see if it will combat the impacts of his rugby career 
and he says, I'm doing my uh, rehab, so I'm, I'm in the best possible place in 10 years. Because I don't know if you saw that Steve Thompson documentary the other week, but certainly uh, they didn't go into detail on it. But one of the cutaways uh, while he was just talking, generally being interviewed over it, was him with like an oxygen mask on in his house and was obviously... So one of the treatments seems to be getting oxygen mm-hmm. to the brain. So Dylan Hartley is doing something similar. I, 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 and that's me speculating a touch, but it sounds uh, similar to what we saw Steve Thompson doing. And he does say with the brain scans, it would be nice to have something to compare it with, like when I was 18 versus uh, now. But he's going to do this therapy program, get oxygen to the brain. And he said, uh, come back to me in a few months if you want, and we'll do an interview and we'll we'll see if there's results. Um, but look, he tells the same war stories. Uh, 2011, I smashed into Keen Healy's knee in the Heineken Cup final. I had a massive lump on my head. We went in at half time with one hand on the trophy. Then I went into the toilets and this weird thing came over me. I just started crying, breaking down. That, along with the massive lump in my forehead, was a clear sign of a knock. I played the second half. I can't remember it. Mm. That's your era, mm. quite yeah. literally. Yeah, and and the start and there's another line which goes on about you know older hookers headbutting him as he as yeah. he. Uh, I mean, which I remember that happening. You know, and you're just thinking, God, thank God, I don't play in that position at the time. I mean, this was before they uh, engage in the scrum. Yeah. Yeah. If people didn't read it, he said. The other hooker, who didn't name him, would mm. make eye contact with him mm. and headbutt him. Mm. Yeah. But Hartley says, well, it scared the holy shit out of me. So yeah. mm. when I got to mm. Elder Statesman, I started doing it to young lads too. So like this vicious cycle, obviously yeah. they don't engage in the same way now. Yeah, but, uh. um, yeah. look, it's, it's scary, right? Um, and uh, there's a lot to go here still, right, in terms of what's going to come out of it and, and, and how, how much sport, how much safer we can make the sport. Um you know, there has been a lot of progress made. I mean, things like that just wouldn't, obviously, I mean, like, the, even the thought, even the, how crazy that feels now, you know, like, you you wonder five years from now when you look back at now what will be the, the headbutt in the scrum moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but the game has to get safer all the time or or there won't be enough people playing it, right? He, he mentions the gladiatorial element to it. Um, and he's right, OK? Um, people do love that. But you just won't have the numbers playing, uh, rightly so, if the game doesn't continue to get safer as we go on. Mm. It's very interesting as well that he's talking about what can be done to, to help players and this, this marries both parts of the article the, the, the retirement aspect and the concussion and you know how players are physically after it and he's talking about creating a fund for retired players which seems like um, a very simple thing to do make every player contribute 1% from the day they signed the first contract and it all goes into a big pot and I, I, off the top of my head, I, I, I would say there's definitely a fund like that in the GA. I, I think I'm aware of. Right. I'm sure soccer would have them. I'm kind of shocked that, you know, what that that clearly wasn't there in your day playing for Wasps even. But it seems like a very yeah simple thing it to does. do. And he mentioned another one there where like you know when you finish at a club, yeah. open up the physio once a week. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean uh, that would be a great thing, yeah. right? It really would. Um, he does, and he's had some good ideas. To be fair to him, he does. Uh, he is. Yeah, yeah, he has. Yeah. Um, so there's loads of small things like that that can be done. Because he says know? as well, and this came up in the Steve Thompson uh, documentary. He's talking about brain scans. So he said, if you injure your knee um, and you're a marquee player international, they'll send you straight away for an MRI because uh, cost. He said is the reason why every player isn't getting a head scan. That's an easy first step. And one of the conversations Steve Thompson was having with uh, a couple of his former teammates in the documentary was like. Uh, the cost of brain yeah. scans is so exorbitant mm. that clubs are a little bit going on the cheap on this and, and maybe not everyone who could have done one was getting one at all mm. times. Mm. 
It's also as well, I know, I think you guys had uh, Dr. Michael Collins in yeah. there, didn't you? I went to that um, UPMC uh, concussion mm. conference in, in UCD at the time. Yeah. And there's myself and a couple of the other print lads there, and I wouldn't be overly, you know, au fait with it, but I have covered it off and on down the years. Yeah. And some of the stuff he was saying at that conference just, just took me absolutely by surprise. And because it, it just, you made me think of it there because he's talking about the MRI and an injury. And Dr. Collins was saying, like, you know, all our traditional thinking about concussion was go into a dark room pull the curtains, don't do anything. He says, hold on, every other injury, you have to rehab it. Mm. You have to stress test mm. it a little bit. And he's saying, that's what we're doing with the brain now. And it just made me think, I mean, I went to their first conference in Dublin in 2016, and the change in what they were saying then and now, and he, he gave us a great line at one stage. He said, we started this in 09 or whatever, and he said, I would hate to see a tape of what we were saying in 09. Yes. So it just shows the stratospheric yeah. graph in what they're doing. And 09 is like you were at... The height yeah, of your yeah, career, yeah, like yeah, it's not yeah. that long ago either. Mm. Um, but all these ideas are very good that he's talking about. He was he's he's out in Pittsburgh and he's yeah. a like world renowned expert and treats thousands of people a year. And he was because all we've had is doom and gloom on this issue. Yeah. And if you want to watch it on YouTube or you know any former players listening, he would give you a real sense of optimism that this is very treatable. Okay. Now yeah. look, when it gets in, I asked him what about the world when dementia starts. No yeah. one's treating that very well. He said, yeah. look, that's that's trickier. But just those concussion symptoms even something like um, the second one can be less serious if the first one is treated well, properly yeah you know which which like you say is such a huge kind of oh you kind of can breathe yeah. a little bit of relief it's some potentially good news in this situation like you know so it's it's, it's it was a, an interesting one and I don't know it'd be interesting to watch I'm going to watch it going forward but Peter O'Reilly it's actually a different type of story he's talking about James Cronin yeah but he's he's covering um, the fact that we were stuck for a loose head um, cover in New Zealand. Yeah. But he refers to uh, a brain injury. So he he says, uh, who was it that was missing from that test? Jeremy Lockman. Yeah, yeah, uh, because he suffered from a brain injury. And I thought, I have never like normally that's HIA mm. concussion, you know. And when I read it, it jumped out at me. I was thinking that's mm. actually a very good way of, of reporting this. It does sound a lot more serious. It cuts through it, doesn't it? It does cut through it, you know, and, 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 and it brings you, like you mentioned it there, even about scans, like it brings the same ideas around, you know, hamstring injury, knee injury. Like they're, they're scans, you know, every straight away, every time. Yeah. Um, but I found that quite uh, jarring to, to read, you know, this guy's coming back after brain injury, which is what he's yeah. doing, yeah. right? Yeah. But, Brain damage is right next door to it, really, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Hartley to play against. He's mouthy and like. Uh, oh, yeah. He's <laughs> lads up the wrong like way. He, he's, uh, you know, he's clearly well educated, well read, smart guy, you know. Um, but when he played, he likes you to think he was probably the opposite, right? right. Uh, he got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> like, I've played against them uh, for was. I think he gouged two players in the same game and was banned for 22 weeks or nearly a full season, yeah. Right. He, um, he was a tough, tough cookie to play against, Jim. And yeah. even even his, his persona, he says, I was Eddie Jones's messenger. Looking back, maybe I would have done things a bit differently, smiled a bit more. It's liberating to be myself now yeah. and be honest, start fresh. And he was, wasn't he? He was pretty yeah, honest yeah. the whole way through yeah. that interview there. You know, it was a great interview. Yeah, yeah very good. The Sunday Papers on Off the Ball.